The number one cause of financial stress for people in New York is paying down debt. I wouldn't have assumed that the number one cause of financial stress was, where do I put all my cash? <laughs> From the smallest room in New York City. I have so much cash. Here comes a show that gives you a reason to live. I don't know if I should bring it to the bank or just keep it in my drawers. Yes. And, the, uh, and then when you... You know, I mean, do you, do you actually blow your nose in it ever? I actually don't do that that much. No. So, yeah, I do sometimes. Because if you need to, it's there. But it then would be, I, it would be ridiculous not to yeah, do that. Yeah, but the thing is, it's like, um, I mainly like to use them to mop sweat off my face, so. At work, I have a drawer filled with ones that I've used to blow my nose in, and I keep needing to bring them home to wash them, but I'll, I'm pretty sure I'll just throw them out. Probably just throw them. Sometimes I, you know, because I, you know. They, they, they've still got several months, if not years, left of service. I get it. It's a little gross. I'll probably just throw them out. I don't know. I don't see what's so, uh... The main thing is you don't blow your nose in it and then drag it across your sweaty That's face. That's what I'm very, um... Conscientious about it's like it's like wiping the wrong direction if you're a woman or a man or or well, <laughs> I guess <laughs> no guy would do that. Reach down between his legs and and, and wipe forward. <laughs> we don't even have to be taught that. There's a line from Rob Lay: He who is ass with goose down wipes shall leave his balls with shitty stripes. A couple in Midtown killed themselves by jumping off a building due to their financial trouble. Thing is, they seem to have loved their life. Uh, if you're going to believe their suicide note, anyway. At the top of it was printed in all caps. We had a wonderful life. Such a rare, positive, optimistic sentiment for a suicide note. Patricia and I had everything in life, the dad of the two wrote. But the note took a dark turn describing the couple's financial spiral. This is a sad story, but, you know, I have to say, um, when I found out that the guy was a chiropractor, it all um, it all started to make a little bit more sense to me. Well, why is that? Well, I mean, what a chiro- I mean chiropractors, what, what is it that they do? They adjust people's spines in order to, you know, relieve their um, various afflictions. It, it, you know, I, Such as, like, we have proactive I mean, policing, or we used to. Uh, now it's like proactive medicine, you know, getting the oil change, keeping yourself adjusted so that you don't get in pain. That's what I. It's like changing the oil in a car. Okay, I mean, so basically, it's unnecessary medical treatment. And you know, I think there's a level of quackery to it. I mean, look, some people swear by it. Oh, um, yeah. I think I think chiropractor is one of the ten professions that um, your colleague Gavin McGinnis says is not a real job. Oh, really? I think so. At least yeah. massage, reflexology, I know he has in there. Reflexology, I don't even I know. I think, I, you know, people who like, okay, uh, you have kidney ailments. Let me uh, squeeze your middle toe in such and such a way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the first uh, tenet of the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. Right. So, but uh, if, if chiropractic uh, isn't a real job, it's one of those real, not real jobs that we, I guess... It's pretty lucrative, you know. People are dying to get into it. I, I used to work in, in a restaurant near a chiropractic school, and a lot of them work there, and they are always trying to find guinea pigs. Oh, I practice see. On. Okay. I've never been adjusted in my life. Uh, I wouldn't, no. You'd have to be nuts. 
I'll get a student. I won't even get a student haircut anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Much less someone to like, oh, let me uh, just uh, move your vertebrae around and, <laughs> until it crack, until there's a huge pop. Yes. I've done, <laughs> I've done very well in my not paralyzing people class. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I imagine it's the type of thing where may, maybe the... Um, Maybe the money comes in really, really good, and then, uh, you know, maybe there's a new chiropractic technique that becomes hip, and then you don't have as many patients coming to you anymore. Right, yeah. If you miss a trick and get behind, it is a trendy sort of a medicine, I guess. Uh, here's one lien against them from September. It showed the couple owed $23,304 in federal taxes. While another in April indicated uh, a $232,295 debt. Well, they did the right thing. Yeah, you're never going to get... Sold? I wonder if they have a, a life insurance policy or something, because uh, most of those don't pay in the, in the event of suicide, though. Um, how about a double suicide? <laughs> that's, that's the jackpot. <laughs> a, a, a double like a suicide. parlay. <laughs> <laughs> if we're both willing to go this far... I mean, who, who? I guess the kids would be the, uh, you know, recipients of the money. In no, I think the government would because they owe all this money in tax. <laughs> I mean, it's just... yeah, three hundred thousand uh, dollars in two thousand thirteen. The feds took legal action against uh, this guy's name, Scarpelli. These are the Scarpellis. Uh, Jesus, you know, I, I think like uh, it's not like we have debtors' prison in this country. Uh, right. What, what exactly? Uh, w- was the deal? Well, what could have been so bad? Uh, and they're fifty-three and fifty, so these aren't kids. Glenn Scarpelli, fifty-three. Patricia uh, Collant, who had carted their bags filled with belongings from their home to the curb, so they they took their shit to the fucking curb first. That that is the most what the cur- hell. Why did they do that? I you know I guess like uh, they didn't want people going through some of their stuff. It would be my guess, but uh, uh if you leave your stuff on the corner, <laughs> I guarantee you people are going through it. Yeah, Murray Hill is where they jumped. It was East Thirty Third Street. Yes, Murray and Hill. it wasn't in their um, it wasn't from their house. They went to their office. Yeah. Well, I guess they needed a a, a good jump, a good distance. But their kids are in college and and so forth. Take care of our college age kids. Yeah, I don't know about that. I also think that's an odd title to your suicide note. We had a wonderful life. Yeah, uh, that is strange, isn't it? Back when we had money, it was wonderful. Now that we're hauling our shit to the curb and jumping off a building, not as good. Not so great. What's interesting, um, I guess they're uh, Catholic, these people. And I read that they would um, always have people over for the Feast of the Seven Fishes. I think that's um, Christmas Eve. or, But it's, it's unusual. Uh, Catholics don't typically have a high suicide rate. Oh, I didn't know that. I wonder why. Well, it's a mortal sin. I mean, you're, there's no... There, you can't, there's no forget. I mean, you basically, I guess, go to hell. No time in purgatory is going to handle that for you. Huh? You are. I, I don't believe so. Straight I, to hell. I think hell. that um, suicide is really considered like, you know, look, I'm no Catholic theologian. Um, I'm sure there's Get some out. members of your audience who are probably better acquainted with this. Yeah. My understanding is that in the Catholic Church, suicide is a really, I mean, look, you, ca- you can't seek forgiveness. From it, like you could murder somebody and seek forgiveness, or you can molest an altar boy and seek forgiveness. There's all kinds of things you can do and seek forgiveness, but suicide is is really terminal. But that must be why the relative here that they quote found it so shocking. His name is uh, Steve 
Steve Bagan, he's a relative of the couple, he called it, quote, very shocking. Right now, everybody's in a daze. Well, they, uh, I, well, I, I suppose it is surprising. I mean, it's, it's almost shocking to me. I don't even know these people. Well, it's bizarre. I mean, double, how often do double suicides really occur? Seldom. I mean, what you hear about a lot with couples is murder suicides, and then they pretend like it's kind of a double suicide. I mean, it's it's really almost kind of like Jonestown or Heaven's Gate. I mean, there's like a real, a weird craziness that um, mm. has to sort of infect the two. Yeah, it's, it's normally not due to, like, we were really behind on our bills. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I don't know. It seems to me like, well, maybe he could have done, like, um, you know, stepped up the number of adjustments he was doing or yeah you just you know maybe start clipping coupons and uh you know you downgrade you know they're empty nesters clearly at this point uh their two kids are 18 and 19 that's joseph 19 and isabel oh excuse me uh they are 19 and 20 isabella they had a birthday just while i was reading this oh my uh now uh, they recently graduated from uh the Upper East Side's Loyola High School. Sure. And the tuition is nearly thirty-eight grand a year. Yes, and then they're going to private schools. Not even very good. I mean, one of them is going to St. Edward's University in Austin, Texas. Now, I mean, it's a nice school, but I'm sure it's expensive. You could just say, okay, you know what, honey, you're going to, next year you're going to stay at home. You're going to go to Hunter or maybe, you know, Binghamton or something. You know, you're going you're gonna to stay local and go to get your degree. Uh-huh. And we're going to save $50,000 or whatever. It just seems ridiculous to kill yourself over this. Oh, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think that it must be more than that. It must be one of those that, that that's like kind of what it feels like it is. Or, or maybe that's what they, uh, you know, but it's there's more to it, obviously. You don't do it just, just on money. You have, a, you have an emotional uh, problem of some sort. Uh, you know, they, uh, you know, it could have been, too, that... Um, you know how it could be a murder-suicide, actually. Well, except they both had put in a plastic bag mm-hmm. the identical suicide note and their driver's license, and each put them put that in a plastic bag and put it in their pocket. Well, that proves it. <laughs> well, it's, it doesn't prove it. I mean, if it, you but... jump out the window and hold the person's hand, you know, and you know you're coming with me, you know, you it's I I think I could probably manhandle a, a a small woman out a window. Yeah, but could you make your make her also like put her driver's license in a baggie and put it in her pocket? I, yes. I think I could. I I mean like uh you you slip that in there when she's not looking, you know what I mean? You're saying, "Look, I laid out a, a pair of pants for you." <laughs> I didn't know they both had it. I just I thought it was just him. No, no, they each did it. And it was the exact same note, obviously. It was typewritten. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and uh you know. Look, maybe maybe um maybe it was a murder suicide. I don't think we're gonna know, but you know, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take their word for it. You know, why open an investigation uh into this? Um uh last year uh, Joseph said in in a school speech, he said his parents once gave him advice on how to cope if he lost everyone I love. On how to cope if he lost everyone that he loved. This is last year. What a what a prescient uh, speech. I know. Uh, and, this and was now clearly I'm, a preoccupation <laughs> of the family. <laughs> Losing everyone you love. Because uh, that was back in March of 2016. He said, my parents repeatedly told me that I could wake up one day and lose everyone I love, but no one will ever be able to take away my faith. 
Jesus. Okay, so th- this was in the works for a while. I think this could take away his faith. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, he's he you know he's prepared. Obviously, you know he's 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 known for at least a year that this shit could happen. And I don't know how long ago it was that they told him this, but uh, he says they were both beautiful people. A former uh, loyal loyalist student said, "Why do I have so much trouble with Loyola?" They were a big Italian family. Always inviting people over for the festival of the festival of the seven fishes. All right, you are for inviting people over for that. I've never heard of the festival of the seven fishes before. Um, I, I it's uh an, an, like an Italian thing. They they uh, I believe it's the night before Christmas, and uh, they eat seven fish dishes. <laughs> Man, what a great tradition! We just have a gigantic fish dinner. Uh, and uh, we, uh, you know, we, we discuss the fish. Now, uh, do you have seven different types of fish? Now, you eat more fish than I do. I'm not a fish eater, uh, per se. I've, I've never uh, partaken in the Feast of the Seven Fishes. Uh, every night is the Feast of the Seven Fishes at your place <laughs> with smelts. Oh, that's right. We were having the smelts, and, uh, yeah, those those turned out not very well. Uh, oh, I'm I, sorry I, to hear I that. I should probably point out. How, how did you cook? How did you cook them, and what went wrong? Um... Actually, the smelts were okay. the uh, The problem was the rest of the dish. I mean, they were fine. My my wife was kind of like unhappy with how it turned out, and you know, you've got the spines in there, and you kind of kind of crunch, eat around them, or or just swallow or it, or just swallow Hope it for the best. Kind of. It says according to 2016, uh, I guess a Go Banking Rate study. Mm-hmm. The number one cause of financial stress for people in New York is paying down debt, with the average balance. Per person hitting around fifty grand. You know what? I, That's I, insane. I, I wouldn't have assumed that the number one cause of financial stress was where do I put all my cash? <laughs> <laughs> I have so much cash, and I don't know if I should bring it to the bank or just keep it in my drawers. Yes, I, you know. I mean, I, I the fact that it's paying off debt that seems like kind of a no brainer. Yeah, yeah. I would think like what, what what's everybody else worried about <laughs> in the country? We've covered the story of Yaslin Ortega in the past. If you don't recall, she's an upper west side nanny. Uh, well, formerly. I don't think that she's finding a lot of nanny work these days since she murdered the two kids, which she was, uh, you know, uh, supposed to be not murdering. Whom? Uh, whom? whom? Not which? Whom? Whom? Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Now, uh, the lawyer for a nanny accused of murdering the children of her employer. Uh, Wants statements that she made to the police while she was in the hospital after the murders to be tossed. He doesn't want that discussed. Uh, defense attorney Valeria Van Leer Greenberg uh, cited cited the nanny's condition at the time, saying that there's no way that the accused killer, 55-year-old Yaslan Ortega, could have mouthed or conveyed anything as she sat in bed with tubes down her throat. Right, because she after she killed the children, she... Stuck the knife in her own throat. A suicide gone wrong. A suicide gone wrong. <laughs> right. So, because she did that, they're saying there's no way she could have that. You you have to throw out her admission of guilt. Yeah, exactly. That there's no way he could that she could have. Uh, you know, she's right. it, it, Hold on. The, indicating it's impossible. The couple that jumped out the window. That was a suicide <laughs> attempt gone wrong. Uh, well, the sergeant. Yoel Hidalgo testified that, that Ortega grunted, mouthed words, and pointed to letters on an alphabet chart two days after the brutal murders. And uh, 
you know, she also took the opportunity to complain about her financial problems and about working conditions with the Krim family. Oh, yes. Like I said, if you've been a loyal listener to this program, you might recall we covered that shocking murder back in 2012. Double murder, actually. Two kids. Uh, when Krim uh, had returned to her Upper West Side home after leaving her six-year-old girl and two-year-old boy in the nanny's charge, she found the kids stabbed to death in the bathtub. As Mrs. Krim walked into the bathtub, Ortega plunged a kitchen knife into her own throat which is why she was in the hospital. I find it uh, really, now, that is about as grim as it gets. I mean, especially for this mother, because she has that image, you know, sort of as the representative, you know, memory of, of like, when you first walk in, and she's like, ah, and, and slits yeah. her own throat. That's, that's, a, that's a very horrific thing to see. Uh, and then it's like, oh, wait, it's not just my nanny. She's probably upset just about that, you know. Right. And it was about to get a hundred million times worse when she found her. her when kids. she looks down and sees her kids like slaughtered. Um, <laughs> th- does it say anything about why? Uh, what what the defense strategy is? Are they pleading that she didn't do it or that she was mad? Uh, you mean mad, angry? No, mad like insane. Well, you see, mad like insane. I think is what is what's going on. I guess that will be the defense. People who like uh, say, uh, okay, the guy who was a paranoid schizophrenic. I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but he he, he murdered his mother uh, up in the Bronx and he he chopped her up with yeah. a Black and Decker, uh, right? And then and then put her into a few dumpsters around town, right? So he it would he, seem... he, to, he it seemed like he yeah that, that he would qualify for that. Well, I guess they don't make it that easy to. Um... To do that, I, I, my understanding now. I'm. He this... was wearing a garbage bag in court and pissed all over himself. So, I mean, <laughs> right. like he really made an effort. I think that when they say like the legal definition of insanity is not the same as like what we would think of as just being like totally fucking crazy. Um, yeah, okay, this woman is obviously fucking crazy, mm-hmm. but was she aware of what she was doing? Was she aware that? It was wrong. Was she, is she capable of standing there and, you know, arguing for, for her, you know... Her right to murder these kids. Or to... Yeah, sure. Or is she capable of understanding the proceedings? If she is, then I guess they're like, you know, th- 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 that's a different... The proceedings. Just understanding the proceedings. That would be a low bar to clear. See, like, you have to go in this room, and then you're either going to go to jail, or they're going to let you walk away. Right. And I think if that, you know, if she's capable of presenting a defense of any, you know, I right. I, 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 I think it's not that easy to um, to get a uh, insanity, to, to, to stage an insanity defense. I, I do believe that you are right, because uh, it, they don't seem to, I mean, like I said, several uh, very crazy people have managed to do that. Uh, now, what, what, what did you just say about that? If they can, if they can understand the proceedings, and 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 I'll tell you this. In fact, I am in favor of that. I think that's a good idea that they don't. That it's not easy to do. I right. don't think it should be easy to do. No, I think it should be damn near impossible to do. I mean, the fact that that John Hinckley, you know, is is now more or less free. He is free. He, he's completely free. There's no I monitoring so. or anything. He, he can, I think he's. I think he's out. Yeah. Uh, is. Uh, I I can't I don't think that I ever thought John Hinckley was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Uh, he yeah. was pretty much the last major um K 
case, I think, where somebody was. I mean, I I, I get the feeling that after that they they kind of clo- shut down on the. Um, yeah, they thought maybe this isn't such a good way of doing this. Right. Because now we have to actually let him go, and he shot the fucking president. Uh, there was a movie about that guy. I don't know if you saw it. About John Hinckley? John Hinckley. He, 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 they really found somebody who's a, you know, a, a good match. Uh, and so I, I thought, hey, good for them. You know, Absolutely. For not, holi- for not Hollywooding up the John Hinckley Absolutely. Story. No, apparently it says here, as part of his release... He's excluded from speaking to the press. He has to work three days a week, uh, and he can drive no more than 30 miles from his mother's home and must see a psychiatrist twice a month. So there are conditions. Wow, those are pretty loose, though. That's not a whole, that's not a whole lot of monitoring. This Yaslan Ortega uh, confessed after this, and uh, Sergeant Hidalgo testified during the, the hospital, uh, that during the hospital questioning, Ortega had complained about being worked too much by Marina Krim. She said, I worked as a babysitter only, and she wanted me to do everything. Yeah, Yeah, I think there's other ways to handle that. Yeah, here's a woman who truly hates housework. Seriously. I mean, uh, my God. Well, I recall, as I recall, the family had actually, like, gone on a trip with her down to Dominican Republic and, like, took her down there and visited with her, her family down there. I mean, I... Yeah, they were close. Uh, She may not have, you know, enjoyed doing housework, but look, you know what? Willing to to reap the benefits of 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 doing the housework. This is not actually that uncommon. Okay, you you have a nanny, Uh and when the when the kid is a baby, you know, then you need the nanny to take care of the baby. Mm. The baby gets a little older and is now two, and it doesn't require so much like constant vigilance and and attention. Mm -hmm. So you ask the nanny to, you know, okay, do you mind? uh, you know, do uh, the laundry or, um, you know, pick up my dry cleaning. Or and, and, and what you're trying to do is help. Help this keep person. them employed. Yeah, because you've become close to them and, and you feel like a, a connection and a trust. Right. But at the same time, you know, hey, you got time to lean, you got time to clean here. Exactly. Well, uh, it says here she wanted five hours of cleaning. That was one of her complaints. Uh, she, that's how much she hates housework. She'd rather do 25 to life than five hours of cleaning. Uh, that's probably why she slit her own throat after stabbing the kids. Because when she looked at the kids and, and you know down there with all the the blood all over the tub, it dawned on her how long it was going to take to clean it up. Uh, oh, but Pat, you don't understand. It wasn't just five hours once. Oh, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> then she's done forever. Uh, I'm not sure what the process is when hiring a nanny uh, to care for your children, but there was a lot that the Crims didn't know about Yaslin Ortega. Now, this is going back to her childhood. This is the case for her insanity plea, I guess. Okay. Uh, going In the Dominican Republic, like you said, uh, when she was 16, working at her father's grocery store, she'd begun to hear voices, and her family said that uh, she started acting different, in quotes uh-huh. there. Now, she uh, suffered a mental crisis in 2008. Uh-huh. Uh, now, now, first of all... like why, all, was she, why was she in the United States? Uh, you know... To make America great again? I don't know. Uh, I think she wanted a better life. Yeah, she probably wanted a better life. Uh, And she found it (laughs) up on the Upper West Side. Well, first of all, when you're 16, don't all 16-year girls start to act different? Well, they don't all hear voices. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, She suffered a mental crisis during which her helpless family members tried to exercise whatever was inside her by playing music and opening a window. (laughs) 
Which okay, <laughs> I don't think it's APA, uh, APA approved treatment for any form of mental illness, but uh, except maybe the uh, the maybe the very common mental illness which uh, often strikes teenagers called being a teenager. Right now she'd uh, she'd taken a turn for the worse in 2012, and this is just months before the murders. After bringing her 17 year old son to New York, and she refused to let him play baseball or listen to music. This sounds like the kid just found a way to sneak that into the right, to the record. Right, right. Uh, commanded a, she commanded him to hide under the bed with her whenever they heard a dog barking. Okay. So that that's a, that seems odd-ish uh, to be under the bed. You know, the dog is going to find you under there if you're. Uh, <laughs> but not if not if it's outside. Yeah, but the, that, <laughs> you're equally safe. I know. Throughout and like, well, we don't want the dog to see us through the window. Um, What's with dogs and crazy people? Son of oh, Sam. Oh, yeah, like Son of Sam, sure. Uh, well, uh, this woman sounds like maybe the Crims um, could have kept... They, maybe if they'd been a little more attentive, they would have noted, picked up on some of this stuff. I, yeah. mean, I, I hate to blame them, but, I mean, it does sound like this person is kind of a... Um, like an undiagnosed schizophrenic or something. Yeah. Uh, you know... She's got the kind of crazy that opening a window and playing music won't cure. So she brought her son here from the Dominican Republic? And then wouldn't let him play baseball. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that she lured him here with promises of baseball. Well, I'm really, you know what? I mean, I keep coming back to the question of um, immigration and visa status. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. I Was she here legally? I mean, I guess she was here legally. If, I, I'm not really. I'm not really sure because you know. I mean, uh, it sounds like it. If she could go back and forth. Now, the Dominican Republic isn't one of the uh, isn't one of the countries participating in the unaccompanied minor uh, program that Obama started. Uh, I, I don't believe so. No, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras. Right. No, but Dominican Republic. They're no. focusing on MS-13 countries. I think. <laughs> yes. Yes. Bring them so, here. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, yeah. Hey, that that's in place uh, and. And, uh, you know, they're now taking a big bite out of MS-13. If, 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 uh, if our president is to be believed, uh, they're at least... Uh, I, I like Trump's... Good. I like his tough talk about MS-13. Good. Uh, I've never heard it addressed before in that way. And, and yeah, of course, good. Yeah. I, I mean, like, gangs are bad. Uh, I heard the argument made the other day that actually what he's doing is more dangerous... He's more dangerous uh, for immigrants than MS-13 is. Well, you know, MS-13 recruits a lot of those unaccompanied minors, and and that's how they get you know swept up in the gang. Sure. So uh, to me, uh, that you know that that might be the greater danger than someone who just wants to deport uh, people who. Uh, I, I don't want to get uh, too political here, but uh, we you know because I want to touch on we had the uh, a very interesting rally here a couple of days ago, and I bet you know what it's all about. If you follow the news, but let's cover uh, Yazel in here and, and wrap that up, because right until the time of the killings, she had continued to hear voices, both male and female, speaking unintelligibly in Spanish uh, and only speaking clearly to her when they were urging her to hurt others. Oh, OK. That's the only thing that got through. So she was like a, like a dog that only hears its name. You know? Well, that's what she says, but because when they were speaking, what, when, what she claims was unintelligible, they were just saying, why don't you go wax the floor? <laughs> Yeah, uh, maybe maybe it was uh, a different dialect. Maybe they were speaking Catalan or something. But um, sure, sure, yeah, or so like, um, well, I guess in Dominican Quechua, they were speaking like the um, Indian languages. Oh, Quechua! You you're really 
a man who is, and, and I mean this completely sincerely, you're, you are educated in many different topics. What did Me? you, yeah, what did you major in in, in college? Um, I, I was an English major. An English major. But, you know, I, I wouldn't say, I, you know, I just kind of have a general interest in things and I, um, I just, you know, pick, pick up little things here and there. Oh, sure. Well, I do too. But... And, you know, I worked for the city council and, um, this is funny actually, for a while, the New York City Council was funding literacy programs, right? And uh, trying to get, but you, and you'd think, oh, what they're trying to do is to teach immigrants how to speak English. That wasn't really the, the question. What they were trying to do was get people from, like, say, else from the, you know, Central America or the highlands of Ecuador or whatever. Mm -hmm. They wanted just to teach them how to speak Spanish. <laughs> because they didn't, because they just spoke like indigenous, like you know, in the Indian languages. Oh wow! Okay. So they were, they were, they just wanted to get them first knowing Spanish, so that maybe they could talk to some of their compatriots. So then they would work them into English. You can deliver food with Spanish, with your with your native right, yes. American Indian languages. You're not going to be able to do a lot. Yeah, of that. if all you can speak is Quechua, then you can't even talk to. The other Peruvians or Ecuadorians or whoever. Yeah, but the food. I mean, down in Little Quechua. Have you been there? Oh, it's delicious. <laughs> it's, a, it's in Astoria. the The largest Little Quechua is in Astoria. Uh, there's 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 seven of them across the city. Uh, little Quechuas. Uh, I, I had no idea how many uh, how many uh, what do you call them uh, Chinatowns there are. Well, it's really not even a question of there being many Chinatowns. It's just at what point will all of New York be Chinatown? <laughs> Yeah. Right, you well, keep little hearing. New York getting oh, smaller and smaller. There's a Flushing Chinatown. There's one in Sunset Park. There's one on Avenue U. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, okay. You mean there's just a lot of Chinese people <laughs> living there? Yeah, and not bothering to learn English. Like, look, all the signs are in Chinese. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, how that works. Right. Uh, little Italy. Have, are you a fan of uh, Italian food and, and old Italian type culture? Uh, mm, well, look, I mean, I went to Italy a couple of years ago, and I have to say the food was like astoundingly delicious. Yeah. Um, in Rome, I mean, I I can't say that I'm I'm a huge fan of Italian American Italian restaurant culture. Huh. You know, I mean, it's amusing. Um, the you know the 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 the, for, the value always seems a little um, skewed. You think so? Well, you know, like if you get like four ravioli. Oh, right. I don't eat in those kind of places. Like, you know, I like a, I like the places that, that are sort of known for their gigantic portions and stuff. Okay, sure. A lot of red sauce. Uh, they well, may be opening I enjoy back it. There. I enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I, Little Italy is now only like one restaurant. That's it. Well, they've got like a block with a few different um, pastry stores. And there's still people hanging out shit on a clothesline and stuff. And I, I don't know about that. I haven't seen much. I don't think there's very many Italians living there. Old WAP women <laughs> who are beating the yeah, flies sure, off sure. an old... I, no, I, I don't see much of that. But no, it, it, it's not authentic. Have you been to the place over on, on 17th Street called uh, uh, Pizza Italia? 17th pizza, and what? 17th and 8th. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, that place. We just got pizza there the other day. It's great. Did you? And and so not just slices, but you got a whole pie. The number is. Two one two two four two four two four two, which is ha ha ha, is it? Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> we got a pie and it was pretty good because they, um, and you know what? What was good about it 
well, two things were good about it. When my wife brought it home, she hadn't, like, turned it on edge, so the whole pie hadn't slid to the bottom of the box, which oh, sometimes she does. Yeah. And it was kind of well done, so the cheese was, like, a little... You good. Know, it was, if you it live. was nicely done. It was, it was a good pop. <laughs> can, I, can, I just, I can I just tell you what my favorite pizza is? Please do. It's actually right by here. It's on um, 32nd and 8th. Uh, it's, um, I can't remember, maybe called Pizza Supreme or something like that. Uh -huh. Um, and they have a big sign out advertising that they're Italian owned. There you go. It's very See. good. All right. I'll, I'll definitely be trying that in the very near future. Now, right up until the time of the killings, she had continued to hear voices, as I said. And uh, she'd also been having full-blown visual hallucinations of people, uh, and this is, as it's described, of all colors and sizes Oh, quote, including giants <laughs> fighting. What a terrifying life that must have been. <laughs> Just being her. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. Uh, you know, and she th she also felt something touch her, which she thought to be the devil. You know, I'm not a fan of of uh, of people getting off on insanity because, like, uh, I I just I, and I've said this before. There should be guilt by reason of insanity. I mean, not oh. guilty by reason, but like, yeah, guilty, guilty. but but crazy, you know? Like, uh, sure. they need treatment and all that kind of shit. However, yeah, they still fucking did something. Right. They're, they're dangerous. Right. That's the way I feel about it. No, I agree. I, yeah. um, you know, I mean, I will add, like, that there is a lot of um, superstition in the Dominican community. Uh, one thing that they're very fond of, like, if you, in, like, their... Um, <laughs> They're Santeria type stores, like their botan their botanica stores, where they sell their, you know, herbs and um, statuary and candles. Right. They're and very. Oh, and you're just hoping you find one that's near a butcher. Right. They very much enjoy. Um, well, I don't know if they enjoy it, but uh, a tradition they have is they like doing things with quicksilver, like mercury, liquid mercury. Huh. Like, say you move into a new house, it's important to throw a couple little like drops of mercury into each corner and if you have a new baby it's good to take some mercury and rub it into its head oh for christ's sake that's the worst thing mercury is the most poisonous <laughs> substance on the planet i know but apparently this is an issue jesus there have to have been cases of mercury poisoning among infants in in the dominican republic and or in, i'm talking about in new york oh right so maybe this woman had that done to her when she was um hey that's a thought. Or when they say, yes, we opened the windows and played music, that's kind of their code for we made her drink mercury. You know, she she did say she'd felt something touch her, which she thought to be the devil. And it doesn't clarify in the, in the article where she was when that happened. But if it was on the subway, you know, there might be an easy explanation. Probably not the devil. Right. And, you know what? And the, with the it caveat, may have been ugly and red, but it wasn't the devil. <laughs> But it could, unless it was the R train, because uh, it might have been the devil. That's his train. He takes it into the city uh, from Bay Ridge. He lives near the base of the Verrazano uh, Narrows there, and uh, encircled by the Belt Parkway and the, and the uh, Gowanus Express. Did you know that? Did you know Satan lived in Bay Ridge? I didn't. Where did you um, Where did you discover this? I, you know, I, I, like you, I, I I pick up on little things, and I'm I'm always uh, curious to learn. So I, I did a little research. Uh, Bay Ridge, by the way, the northern part of it was originally called Yellow Hook. And that's after the color of the soil. But the southern part was called uh, Fort Hamilton. Now, in the 1850s, a group of artists who had moved to the area, they founded a colony called uh, Ovington Village. They changed the name of the community of Yellow Hook 
because uh, they wanted to avoid the association with yellow fever. Oh. Apparently, that was like a major killer. Yeah, uh, many many died. You know, uh, it, it, it's uh, yellow fever figures kind of prominently in the history of New York in a couple of ways. Yeah, it was a major. Um it was a major thing, and there would be uh, it helped epidemics. create help create Brooklyn Heights. Oh, because uh, people, um, a guy set up a steam uh, ferry, a steamship sh- f- boat ferry, or something like that, to go from Manhattan to there, so people could get away from it. Okay, and and he made that uh, e- easily done. So you look, you can live in Brooklyn. He basically Beautiful. invented commuting, and then go right to Manhattan and and avoid. Any standing water for a few hours. Okay. Now, three days before the killings, her sister was awakened by the sound of Yasmin Ortega wildly throwing pots and pans around the kitchen, banging her head against the wall. Yeah. Well, like uh, one of those Calgon take me away moments. You know, uh, I think um, in in one of the previous episodes we discussed uh, Kendra's law. Mm-hmm. This would have been she would have been a great candidate. For she that. would have. Been, she, you know, here's a case, another case where someone was. Um, Un, you know, probably undiagnosed and uh, needed um, some serious treatment. Yeah, yeah. Probably she shouldn't have been a nanny. You know, you would think that, that maybe the sister would say, hey, but I guess she's like wants her sister to keep her job and stuff, but maybe somebody could have well, put a bug want, in the... She, she wanted her out of the house. <laughs> At the very least. <laughs> put a bug in the crim's ear, though, for God's sake. I mean, I guess it's always like that. No one can see this coming. That, you know, like, you know what? I have a feeling she's going to murder some children. Uh, nobody would keep that quiet, I would think. On the morning of the killings, now this is the oddest of all. Yeah. This behavior. Ortega had knocked on a neighbor's door and asked if she could come in and make breakfast, which is, a, that's not a request. Yeah. Uh, the resident's niece was there alone and let Ortega come in, but she soon became unnerved as Ortega made bananas and cheese and paste between the living room and the kitchen. I can see why she was so unnerved, because that is a breakfast that is going to bind somebody up. Oh, boy. After the niece locked herself in her room, Ortega came back and knocked on the door saying, please come out. I can't be alone. I'm afraid. That's an honest psychopath. Uh, So the Crims knew none of these things, and when Ortega arrived at the apartment that day, she seemed fine. She'd later say all she remembered was making breakfast and going to work, and uh, the only other thing she could remember was that she was supposed to take the six-year-old to ballet later that day. Well, mission failed. Uh, she stabbed the kids to death August 20, uh, excuse me, October 25th, 2012. Since then, Charles been delayed for years to settle questions about her mental fitness. In April last year, she was found to be fit for trial. Later that month, uh, Justice Gregory Caro offered Ortega a plea deal of 30 years to life in exchange for guilty pleas in both. Uh, murders and her, her attorneys, you know, said, they said that, no, 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 nothing doing. We want that insanity. No dice, no dice, judge. We're going to trial. We'll have it your way. He wants uh, the he wanted her to do life without parole. The prosecutor did for the grisly murders. Now, uh, tell me about this uh, event. It, I believe this was a transgender rally it was in response to uh, President Donald J. Trump's uh, tweet saying that uh, he wants transgender people to not serve in the military. Yes, so, uh, well, we all remember that, um, yes, President Trump uh, issued that directive via Twitter. Mm -hmm. And, um, right, so advocates for uh, LGBT rights, freedom. uh, You stopped adding letters at at, uh, T, not going with the Q. 
LGBTQQI2. <laughs> Dollar sign. Dollar sign. Well, two stands for two-spirit. I didn't know that. Two-spirit two is the Native American um, version of gender fluidity, I guess. There's some people who are just two-spirit and have... Um, <laughs> no, seriously. I, I invented a new category, by the way. That I, I just said the quaintness you, of the Indian's title made me yeah, laugh. Yeah, right. You, you, two-spirit... <laughs> You might you might actually enjoy my new, my my new category. Um, so I have LGBTQQI2P. Oh, I2P. Well, P. Oh, I2P. Now. <laughs> but but P is the new one. P is the new one, and it stands for free. P H R E E. Okay. <laughs> and that's basically just for kind of like, you know, like an overweight guy in his forties. <laughs> Who wears cargo pants, cargo shorts, uh-huh. just kind of schlubs around. Sort of guy who who has uh, carries real hankies, real cloth. Real ha- guy carries handkerchiefs. <laughs> he's basically, you know, he's fucked women. I, I mean, I don't or whatever. <laughs> his whole life probably jerks off a fair amount, but he kind of wants to get in on this. Yeah. <laughs> so he's pee free. Yeah, like yeah, it. I'm free. I like I'm that free. a lot. You, you're coming out as free. I'm basically coming out as free. Congratulations. Man. So you know, so I, this is why you were at the at the rally. So, obviously, well, I went to the. So they had a rally, and it was held at the Times Square um, Armed Services Recruiting Office, which okay. is you know a venerable old recruiting office. It's been their station. It's been there for decades. And my goodness, if you're going to protest at a recruiting office, make it the most crowded. Make it the best one. Yes. So, um... The crossroads of the world. The crossroads of the world. So they had a protest, and there were a lot of... Uh, there weren't that... There were a few hundred um, protesters. I wouldn't say it was that many. But, uh... And, you know, they had a bunch well, of politicians there. Hastily formed, right? I mean... Uh, well, yeah, but, you know, day. I mean... The kind of um, scorched and pissed on people who want to go to protests. I, I don't think it takes more than like half an hour to <laughs> put the call out. I see. You know, all the um, revolutionary communist party people, the Babavakian people with their refuse fascism, no to, uh, you know, you've seen those signs. But yeah, no, no, no. We refuse to accept a fascist America. Yes, yes, yes. So they were there and there were a lot of people holding um Signs that said resist. I, I did hear, I did learn one thing. I don't know if you're familiar. You know, there is the um, the gay liberation flag, the rainbow flag, right? Mm-hmm. You're familiar with that flag? Uh, yeah, sure. sure. The rainbow flag, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a new flag. It's which, the, which Donald J. Trump wrapped himself in at, at an event, you know, at one oh, point in the campaign. Right, right. Yeah. That's true. He did. Well, there's also a trans flag. Have you seen it? I have not seen the trans flag. Um, it's, I think it's five stripes and it's like purple. Li- I, I'm a little colorblind. It's like purple, lilac, pink, lilac, purple, something like that. Okay. Wow, that's the, the, the subtly subtle color changes. Yeah, there, yeah. sure. But um, as I learned at the rally, that flag—you're not going to believe this—that mm. flag was actually invented by a trans veteran. How about that? Wow. Um, so you know, if you, if you want to hear about trans veteran accomplishments. All right, you're not going to find a lot of trans Medal of Honor winners. However, a trans veteran did invent the trans flag. Well, okay, so the, and so that so it's now it's LGBT uh, BTV. 
T and TV for trans veteran. Trans. Oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that. And of course P. So whatever. It was the typical sort of rally, and you know a lot of yelling. But the reason I wanted to talk about it mm. was because I got there and I saw this person holding up a sign. It was a really large sign that and handmade, and it was a red poster, and in black, it's it said it had the it had five names. It said um, Lincoln. Garfield, McKinley, Kennedy, Trump. Wait, what could be the connection? Lincoln, Kennedy, Garfield, uh, McKinley, yeah, and Trump. Well, of oh. course, you know, the connection is that the first four names are the names of uh, the presidents in American history who've been assassinated. Oh, my God. And it was in cr- chronological order. And then at the bottom it says Trump, and they had festooned the, the name Trump with, like, devil's horns and flames so at this point we just need to start hoping that trump doesn't have a secretary named mckinley right so it, it just seemed like a little um over the top to me that yeah at this you know this rally that someone is standing there holding up a sign calling for the death of the, the, the murder of the president right that's not a good thing to have in the air but nobody noticed no i mean i guess nobody commented on it and i don't know is that is it just because that's like Essentially, a non-controversial point of view. It's kind of become non-controversial at this point. Yeah, like we want Trump to be murdered. Yes, that, who will do this? You know, it is is uh, you know as surprising as it sounds, but that's it's self-evident. You know that that has been the case since you know halfway through the election. I think a lot of people would, would have liked to have seen. I mean, uh. The suicide, I mean, the suicide, the assassination attempt by that English kid, yeah. it, was, it wasn't even treated that, that seriously. No, he was sort of seen, he's like some kind of hero. Wasn't he interviewed by CNN and treated like some kind of, uh, oh, so why did you do this? What, what, what did, was it, was it Trump's rhetoric and his hateful attitudes that made you want to do that? Yeah. It, that was the, like the, the tenor of the interview. Right. And so, and, and, and that's uh, certainly an unusual way to treat uh, somebody suspected of such a crime. So you, uh, and, and people, I guess it's it, the mentality as I take it as where I, is that there's a certain kind of a political alignment that says, you know, that it, Everything, all's well that ends well, basically. The ends justify the means. If you're in the way of the movement, you're in the way, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Get ready to be ground in, you know, between the gears of mm-hmm. progress, and, mm-hmm. and it, it, it excuses all that stuff. That seems to be where they're headed. I mean, I asked a few politicians. I said, so... Um, of course, that alignment is communism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, so what do you think about this guy's sign? And they were like, oh, I disapprove of that. But nobody comes forward to say that. Nobody right. was like, you know what? I mean, what happened to this whole thing that, well, you have to police ourselves. We have to police ourselves. I mean, there's no sense of that. It was like the most extreme statement was fine. And they don't mind being associated with it. They're there. I so, guess. I like, mean, like, I guess if the guy had a sign that said something like, uh, I'm sort of attracted to children, that would be enough. Somebody would mention that, I would think. I would think. Of course, at this, yeah, it might be different at this rally. But, you know, I mean, like, so, some people have extremely loose, you know, definitions right, of what is right, uh, regular right. sexual behavior, NAMBLA, et cetera. But I still think that that would be more likely to be called on. Oh, certainly. You know, than the Trump thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this didn't see, like I said, it was, it was very non-controversial. Yeah. 
So that's basically. I just wanted to. Um, it's a great photo too that you got, by the way. I did take it, and you know what? If you would like to read my article about this, uh-huh. you can go to uh, city the city journal website. It's at city journal dot org. Okay, great. City journal dot org. Yeah, and that's uh, and and well, also, you know what? I'm sure you tweeted it out. Yes, I did. Okay, well, then I'll mention your Twitter fact, a little I, later I, in the show. I think you may have retweeted it. I, oh yeah. Well then, just follow me. Forget following Seth. Now, uh, <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> Very interesting though. Uh, that and now, when you went down there to cover that, I mean, were you, did you go down with it in mind to write a piece for City Journal about it? No, no I, it was near my office, and I figured I would. I, I I like to go and check these things out. You know, I have a press pass, so I figure I may as well use it. That's cool. What What do you need to get a press pass? Could I get a press pass? You probably could actually. Um, Except, you know what, you don't really cover any, you don't get out of the studio that much, do you? Well, uh, covered the uh, Go Topless Parade, you know, that was some some honest-to-God independent reporting. Was the NYPD there? Yes, they were there, of course. Yeah, uh, course. I'm not sure what the word, what the rules are for broadcast. I, I believe you have to cover, in person, six um, dis- discrete events that were protected by the NYPD. Did you say discreet events? Dis- discreet in the sense of like... Or distinct. Distinct. Okay. Okay. So six of them have to be covered. Yeah. Oh, so okay. It has to... Like, so, for instance, I go to a lot of city council hearings. There's another one. And you don't need an NYPD pass to get into it. You just go. So I could cover six of those and I'm good. Yeah. You know what? They, they had a lawsuit and like some vulgar. Compoundmedia.com. Compoundmedia.com. You can get it. It's like $5 a month uh, if you do it for a year. Also, Patreon.com, $5 a month also, and you know you get a bunch of other stuff there too, at CompoundMedia.com and Patreon.com. Uh, go to Patreon.com slash PatDixonNYC uh, to find out everything you need to know about becoming a patron. Thanks very much for your support. On CompoundMedia.com, you will see uh, my second interview with Ralph Friedman. He has a lot to say. So, my second interview with Ralph Friedman on compoundmedia.com. Thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. Because his interview may have already, the one you're talking about airing, may have already aired by the time this airs. Uh, You know, but, and even if they're, in all likelihood, no. Okay. (laughs) No. Uh, Actually, who knows? This will air first. this, This may not air at all. Uh, well, in that case, <laughs> we, actually, I've tricked you. We're not even recording this. I, I'm just lonely from the smallest room in New York City. I just wanted to talk. Comes a show that gives you a reason to live. <laughs> okay. So uh, my sister, uh, who actually does podcasts, but she said um, she was saying like it's such a shame that uh, you know women that the women don't have the same opportunities in sports. Like there's no women's football. And so forth. So my daughter was saying, "Well, I mean, who would want to watch it? Probably wouldn't be very good." That's my first thought. Right. And so my sister got very aggravated. Was like, "What are you talking about?" So um, my daughter said, 
Well, think about it. Would you rather watch like a bunch of junior high school people playing basketball or professional basketball? Which I thought was actually a very good um, yeah analogy. Like in terms of like, like I took my girls to um one time uh, there was the, you know the the Liberty the the basketball team women's basketball. I was like, oh, let's that's go. The, so, that's the New York team. Yes, I, I guess uh, I haven't added that in, in my mind along right. with the Rangers and everything. <laughs> yeah. So, um, whatever. I went on StubHub and I got basically they were like floor seats. They were like I don't know seven dollars or something. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever, you know, it's like right up the street. It's not a big deal. So I got four for tickets. fifty bucks. You can shower with the team, <laughs> basically. So we go and I mean, they're kind of terrible. Like they're shoot. They, they can't like they're. Their field goal percentage is really low, mm-hmm. and they don't have anybody blocking them, so it's not there's not really much of an excuse. I would have thought that that uh, that if anybody was going to play defense, the fundamentals it would be, and stuff. Tell you why women can't shoot? That that's a real thing. Okay, you know, it's because uh, you know it's it's I guess what you would call uh, evolution. You know, we are better at stuff like that because we that's how we hunted was to throw rocks at shit. Sure. So it's a very natural thing to want to throw something into a basket. Yeah. You have that ability. And women, you know, that wasn't their role. So they might, you know, take the basketball and cook it or okay, or sure. raise it or change raise its diaper. It, you know. Cuddle it. <laughs> right. Strap it to their back and go hunt, pick up sticks. Go get some water. Yeah. Things like that. Well, look, it just was very... Read to um, it, maybe. It was just kind of... Un- I mean, maybe by the standards of... Um, you know, when James Naismith invented basketball and they would have a whole game that was like, you know, 14 to 8. <laughs> Maybe by those standards, if that's what you're talking about with the fundamentals, but it, it was not a very, um, I mean, it, I don't the, regret the, that we You're went. talking about back in the smaller, weaker, slower days. Kind of. Yeah, yes. in the beginning. I mean, they, they were just, they were like, what is this new thing? Uh, but uh, can, I, can I just say something that I find fascinating? Yeah. About, uh, another example about lady, of why, lady basketball. No, no. Oh. About but about why America's so great. Okay, so James Naismith invented basketball. He was a um, he ran a YMCA. Where was it? Like in Worcester, Mass, or wherever it was that basketball was founded, like in central Massachusetts. Hmm. And he came up with this as like something for the, you know, a sport for the people at the YMCA, the local YMCA to, to play. Then a few years later, at the YMCA, like 10 miles away, also in central Massachusetts, the guy there, I can't remember his name, invented volleyball. <laughs> wow. Just like, oh, well, I'll invent a sport too. Wow. And now, 100 years later, these are basically two of the most popular games in the entire world. And Nuts. everybody plays them, and they're right there from the same street. Uh, basically, I mean, isn't that just like amazing? From the same place, like his uh, basically his colleague was like, "Oh, I came up with a sport too." Well, those guys, you know what? To invent a sport takes a lot of balls. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Yeah, and, and that's why you're the comedian. <laughs> those two sports uh, are also very different in the balls relationship with the net, because in basketball you want nothing but net. And in volleyball, you want everything but net. That's a really good point. Uh, yeah. Uh, very different games. Different games, but there's like, you can sort of understand the sim- They're both like appropriate for the climate and the region. You know, you can play them indoors. It's like, oh, okay, well, I guess, it, you know, a lot of the time we can't go out and play baseball in um, Massachusetts. So uh, here's something we can do to keep the boys. Uh, 
you know, occupy during the winter months. Right, because baseball, there's no playing that indoors. This right. can't be done. Right. Uh, so, who invented baseball? Well, um, you know, legendarily, it was invented by, um, what's his name? Oh, De- Abner Doubleday, the, uh, the, the Civil War general. But huh. in reality, uh, it predates him and... You know, it comes I mean, from an English thing. It as comes well. from an English, like round ball and all these various. You know, it's something everybody kind of had, had on their mind in some form or another. Yeah, I mean, I think it was like codified. Uh, look, I'm no expert. Maybe in the 1870s. I mean, I think around then the game that we know of as baseball was pretty much like the rules were set down and. Um, mm-hmm. You know, three outs and four balls. You know, yeah. They used to, the the game used to be very very different. You know, uh, it used to be more of a low scoring defense kind of a game, and uh, then the the home runs, kind of like it saved lives. In fact, you know, because somebody got killed uh, by a pitch, and uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember what 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 is it called? It's it's small ball or what is it? What's what is it that they call it when you're? Uh, well, small ball is like inside baseball. Well, it's playing. In, no, it's uh, inside baseball. I know has come to have another meaning. But, right, but right. playing inside baseball also means keeping it in the infield. Oh yeah. Well, small balls like yeah, right. You you try to accumulate hits, mm-hmm. um, like singles, doubles, and then um, you know, I guess the other kind is. I mean, this is. I'm really well outside of my circle of competency. You're talking about sports. Well, that's uh, too bad because it's the New York City Sports Report. Oh, Can you imagine? Shit. <laughs> that would be great to just have. Um, I mean, we may as well be talking about the New York City Yarn Report. <laughs> I had a guy write me, a friend of mine who I've known for it's, I, since I started doing comedy. So I've known him twenty years. We never, we never talk. Occasionally email. He did a little time uh, for selling something uh, he shouldn't have been selling at a fish okay. concert or something. Okay. So, but he got out, and you know, I think that. He he started listening to my podcast a little bit. He may hear this conversation. And he said, you know, uh, I like your show, and I think that uh, you could be cutting off a lot of people just by, you know, it's it's obviously about crime, but it's also just about New York City in general, sometime in current events right. and stuff. He goes, you know, but uh, maybe the word crime is actually turning people off. And he said, maybe if you, said, like, change the name... Uh, you know, to New York City Time Report. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I, uh, we, I, I. That was very fun for me that he said that. I just thought, wow, okay, great idea. I have this thing; it's kind of working. Right. You think maybe change the title to something asinine? Sure, the New York City Time Report. Okay. It's six oh three in New York City, uh, and, and you know, talk about various things that have happened throughout time. Uh, sure, you, could t- you discuss like different things that happen at different times, you know, like when you the... could talk about different um, places to go find out what time it is, <laughs> right? Discuss the clock down in Union Square, yeah, and yeah. we could go over what each of those little digits mean, right? Right. Uh, talk about the clock in Grand Central Terminal, and there, there's many, many historic oh, clocks. Be I'm great. Sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, them. people who do who go to prison, it's like a major concern for them. Time. I mean, that's all they think about. <laughs> I guess that's probably it. I didn't think of that. Jesus, that's that's totally it. Yeah, he's like, uh, here's something uh, interesting that happened in a place we like to call Violent Brooklyn. That's right. Uh, it's a place, well, Satan lives there. Now, uh, a Brooklyn granny was robbed in a push-in home invasion-style caper. Uh, two thieves barged in 
and stole a briefcase containing what every Brooklyn grandmother has in, in her briefcase, $100,000. Good God. That she had won playing slots in Atlantic City. And faster than you can say, jackpot, her winnings were lost. At 76-year-old Yvonne Reeder. She answered a knock at the door of her East New York apartment around 9.50 a.m. Saturday morning. She wasn't aware that the men knocking at her door were going to steal her money, obviously, so she made a mistake. Right. She probably made a few mistakes, starting with telling anybody about winning that money. She, uh, I mean, really, if you win a lot of money, it's hard to keep that in, I'm sure. You know? Sure, but, but why keep it in a, um, well, here again, here's one of those people for whom the primary stress, primary source of financial stress what is it not <laughs> how to pay off my debts, but it's what to do with all my cash. <laughs> yes. And and now she's paying the price. It's clearly. Uh, the woman got robbed. She's 76. But, but you know, people rape old ladies sometimes. And I say people because I don't want to be gender. I want to be gender fair, but a woman can do anything a man can do sometimes better. Yep. But according uh, to, the, to the post, she answered the door and uh, suspecting that they were Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, right. Which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, to go ahead and say, oh, it's probably Jehovah's Witnesses. Let me answer the door. But uh, they probably, Saturday is probably a big day for them because people are home <laughs> at yeah. 10 to 3 in the morning. Right. I guess all things considered, Jehovah's Witnesses are better than guys who show up to steal your bag full of money. Easily. But considering those guys were specifically there to violate at least two of the Ten Commandments, I can see this crime is evidence of one of the Jehovah's Witnesses' core beliefs. If you look into it, they consider the world to be currently the devil's turf. That's what's happening with the world, according to Jehovah's Witnesses. Do you believe in God? Sure. And say now with uh, he's. Would you say that he's? Uh, if you're given a multiple choice test, who's who's in charge of Earth? Would you say God or Satan? Um, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with this argument. I'm familiar with this 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 argument that that um, Satan that that the order of the world is. Um, is that Satan is the order of the world? Okay, is that a, it? Sounds like a Satanist kind of an argument. You know what? It is kind of a Satanist argument, and that's why Satanists are ultimately like Christians. Yeah, they are, aren't because they? Because they kind of they're have the same. They're using they're using a character from the story. Yeah, they're using all the same characters. Yeah. In fact. yeah. I mean, that's they're they're Christians. They're just uh... they kind of just <laughs> turned it upside down very often. I mean, uh, look, if you look around, look at all the stories we talk about. Does this seem like God's handiwork? Yes. Absolutely it does. Because in everything that happens, there is an element of the divine and an element of uh, uh, of the of beauty. I mean, we don't understand it maybe. Right. We I I think that our brains are limited in sort of thinking like you know, mm. maybe those are our vegetables, mm -hmm. uh, and 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 the joy that we would find in that would be to help somebody uh, with mm -hmm. a problem, or to exploit, uh, you know, use that as grist mm -hmm. to to bring people joy. You know what I mean? To take uh, something that's terrible like crime and turn it into something entertaining like oh, this show. I see. Uh, but also, uh, I mean, there, you know, many many ways to to look at it, and and you're right uh, to to think that it's. Uh, we're, we we don't want to be like children screaming for ice cream when we should be eating our vegetables, you know? Sure. Uh, however, uh, this is where I kind of break with Jehovah's Witnesses because uh, they teach that God's kingdom is uh, like a literal government in heaven. Yeah. Uh, they think that uh, it's referred to as a government, it's, it, and it is or will be ruled by Christ and a certain number of humans and uh, who, who work under him. 
So hmm. uh, Jehovah's Witnesses know pretty specifically how the end of the world's going to happen, and then they'll go to the government uh, in heaven. <laughs> Just, wow. I can't. I mean, like, uh, like imagine what a, what, what a good job that would be—a government job in heaven. It's like all pension. I mean, like the benefits are fucking ridiculous. You work, you know, I don't know, half an hour a week. Sounds and it's like all work, overtime. It's like working for the maybe that maybe maybe working for the government on Earth is is heaven. Maybe uh, <laughs> it's as close as we can get, but this place is ruled by the devil. So the way the world's supposed to end, okay, according to their assessment, the current era encompasses what's called the last days, mm-hmm. and we're facing imminent destruction through the intervention of God and Jesus. So what uh, Christ will happen? It'll begin with the destruction of false religion by the United Nations. That's what's going to initiate this. Okay. Uh, the United Nations, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, grew out of a movement, uh, by the way, started by Charles Taze Russell, uh, who was a weird kid, then kind of a weird adult, influenced by uh, some guy named Nelson Barber, and uh, who also liked to get really specific. Uh, Russell was born, this is the, the guy who invented Jehovah's Witness, Charles Russell, Charles Taze Russell, born uh, near Pittsburgh, 1852, in his teens, became a partner in his dad's haberdashery. Okay. Where's the best haberdashery in town, by the way? Do you know of one? I mean, just a men's clothing store. Where do you haberdash? I thought it was a hat store. It's not? It's a clothing store? Um, I think of it as general men's clothing. Okay. Well, uh, then I, I think could a, probably find a hat store would be a, like a milliner's store. <laughs> He left the Presbyterian Church at 13, and he was obsessed with discovering religious truth and something that made sense. So Nelson Barber was an influential Adventist writer, and he was the one who influenced Russell. Oh. Uh, Russell read his book, Herald of the Morning, and that's with an E, just in case you're imagining a guy named Herald of the Morning. It's a, oh, I see. Yeah, it's not, it's not a guy named Harold. By the way, if, if you're good at drawing and stuff, send me a picture of, of your what you imagine Herald of the Morning would look like. Russell was intrigued by the book. Uh, so he did something, uh, you know, that we all do when we finish a book that we like. We telegraph the author oh. <laughs> and set up a meeting. And uh, he financed a trip to Pennsylvania for that guy, Barber, this Russell guy did, and another religious scholar so that he could hear each of their arguments. This guy's obviously got some money. you okay, know. sure. Come and debate for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Charles Taze Russell, uh, only 24, honest, devoted student of this religious doctrine, uh, and uh, it was this summer, 1876. Nelson Barber's teachings, uh, he, he said, all Christians who had died would be raised in April of 1876. And this is something you see, it's a pattern with, uh, it becomes with uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. They keep predicting the end of the world. Uh, okay. The day comes and goes, and they go, oh yeah, we fucked up. Uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> here's where right. we, we figured out what we did wrong, though. This is the new date. Uh, so, Less than two years before the Christian zombie resurrection, uh, it was at the time. He was so convinced that it was true, he sold his five clothing stores, this guy, for an amount of money, which today would be over eight, uh, excuse me, $6.5 million. And he used that to publish Barber's book outlining their views. And it was called Three Worlds and the Harvest of This World. I'm sure it's out of print. God. They, they published another book by him called The Object and Manner of Our Lord's Return. So they're, these guys are obsessed with this shit, uh, seemingly uh, just what this guy was looking for. They started a religion anyway, uh, these two together, and then they ended up splitting apart uh, due to, you know, whatever. Uh, and then they started putting out the Watchtower, I guess, eventually. 
And uh, this guy also made like a really long movie. I know, you might what argue. I find impressive about the Jehovah's Witnesses is that it, that they bought up like so much of Brooklyn. Did they know? Oh, sure. You know, that's where the Watchtower was published. I mean, I haven't headed over to Brooklyn Heights in a little while, but it used to be that they owned all those major, huge buildings over there. I think they still do. They own billions of dollars of real estate over there. Wow, that's a rich church. I think they've sold some of it. but And they don't have that many members, really. No. Uh, they, it, it's Yeah, relative to the other religions, it's pretty small. So that is a lot of land for the church to own. Uh, in 1912, this guy started production of what would become the first major screenplay to incorporate synchronized sound, moving film, and color slides. Wow. A sprawling epic in four parts called The Photodrama of Creation premiered January 1914 uh, and told the whole story from creation through the end of the 1,000-year uh, reign of Christ. Yes. That's an ambitious epic. I'd say. And it was uh, eight hours long. So really, I mean, eight hours sounds like a long time to sit through a movie or something. But all things considered, that's very compressed. Well, given that you've got 1,000 years. 1,000 yeah. a a years plus all the history, too. Right. So, I mean, it's from creation and then all the years we've been alive plus 1,000 years of Christ's reign. Uh, I mean, that's... Uh, and what what could there possibly be to talk about during the one thousand year reign of Christ? Uh, I mean, things are great still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd think it would be a little bit kind of like outside of history. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there was not a lot of uh, you know robbery, murder, rape, hilarious. Probably not. Over nine million people in North America, Europe, and New Zealand and Australia saw that saw the shortened version. Wow, which was a lean four hours. In the presentation, the seven days of creation are said to have taken 49,000 years. Russell believed that a creative day lasts 7,000 years. I, at well, some point, you just start saying things, you know? Right? Well, it does seem that way. But, you know, I, I kind of don't want to get too down. On the, look, the Jehovah's Witnesses suffered greatly under um, under Hitler. Like, they really, the, the Nazis really didn't like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, that's okay. And How many of them did he kill? A couple thousand, I think. <laughs> he decimated their population. Basically. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, look, so people have some wacky belief. Oh, I, they believe whatever they believe. I Just for discussion, I, I, I do not mean it as a, as a slam at all, but I do like to point out, yeah, it, it was made up by a guy named Charles Taze Russell, and it is significantly different in that, like, when you start talking about a government, now, I, it starts to sound to me like you're kind of... Uh, aligning it, 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 it almost sounds, I don't know, I mistrust something like that, you know what I mean, that's involving the heavenly idea of government. You know, I, mm. you can't idolize, idolizing government to the point where you elevate it to something that would be in the eternal afterlife uh, well, of all you purity. Know, that, that I mean, to me, is frightening. Not frightening, but, like, you know, it raises a, a, an eyebrow. Well, I think, like, for instance, um, in Islam, like, Adam, and I think in Christianity, too, like, you know, man is, like, God's vicegerent, like God's like lieutenant on earth. So, you know, I think this is this this goes back. Well, yeah, okay. I mean military rank, uh lieutenant. Sure. Well, okay. lieutenant means like placeholder. Oh, okay. So that doesn't really it's not necessarily a, a connotation to the government. Well, I don't know. I mean <laughs> it, it seems familiar. I think it's interesting all of like how many religions were founded in the 19th century in America that still have a lot of purchase today. Like, okay, the Mormons. Yeah. Worldwide. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Worldwide. 
Seventh-day Adventists worldwide. Christian Science worldwide. Scientologists worldwide. Well, Scientology was a lot was much later. Yeah, but still, still, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's uh, it's booming. Another example of like American ingenuity: volleyball, Mormonism, basketball, Seventh-day Adventists. <laughs> Ladies playing basketball. It's a topsy-turvy world. Yeah. Well, here's some information out of the Bible that describes the end of the world. And I, I, I think this, uh, to me, is very interesting. Uh, you know, the concept of government, obviously, is weird. 144,000 people, by the way. That's what it takes yeah. to run a government up there. So uh, so the UN is going to destroy false religion. That's how the end of the world is going to go down. Uh, which they refer to as the whore of Babylon. Right. False religion is the whore of Babylon. And quotes her official title is given as Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and abominations of the earth. Uh, is she single? In the book of Revelations, the prophet John describes a vision, and this is in Revelation, who gives a shit about the verse, but 17.3, so he carried me away in uh, the spirit into the wilderness. So he's having a fantasy. Hmm. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, which is back, that's back when they used to refer to beasts as colored, you know. Right. Full of right. names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. So uh, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Terrifying. 17-4. Uh, and uh, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. She's decked out for a whore and mother of all abominations, having a golden cup in her hand, which was full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Pussy juice and fuck juice, right? Mm, sort of. What? How else could you interpret that? It's it's basically liquid scat or something. That made of poop. Filled with it. Face tattoos as well. On her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and abominations of the earth. Uh, so that should put you on guard. Wow. I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. So when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So he's like, this chick's hot. Hmm. She's drunk on the blood of saints and martyrs of Jesus, but still looks good. And, uh, you know, it's probably closing time there. And the woman, which thou sawest in the great city, which reigns over the kings of the earth. So she reigns over the kings of the earth. Yeah. So, you know... That's what's going on here. So, okay, uh, God initiates a battle with the devil, and that's how he uh, he gets this to happen, by you know using the UN. He goes through the UN. That's the beginning of the end of the world. God destroys this place, which uh, represents the capital of, of hell on earth. And uh, the way that God initiates it is it's sort of like what a general might do. You know, he's trying to expand his territory, basically. He's going to bring heaven down to earth. He's looking to open up... Uh, a store here. So God is, in fact, going to work through the UN to pass resolutions which effectively destroy false religions, which will infuriate Satan, and uh, that'll start Armageddon. It'll prompt Satan to attack Jehovah's Witnesses, and then and then it's Armageddon. The funny thing is, you know, it sort of reminds me, you know, when you hear people talk about, like, anarchists will say, no God, no gods nor masters, neither gods nor masters, or you've got, like, Imagine by John Lennon, Imagine There's No Heaven. Mm-hmm. Like, we can build heaven here today. Right. This is like what kind of your atheists and your communists will say and your anarchists. Like, 
like, let's do it here. Let's build it here now. Yeah. Well, that's it's a, a little bl- similar. It's blasphemous, isn't it? Well, it's blasphemous, but isn't it kind of the same idea? Well, this is uh, through the UN, and, and it's uh, it, it, to me, that might be the difference, is that it doesn't really um, seem to be too concerned with you know, an idyllic world of everything being uh, equal among people and stuff like that and goodwill and harmony. It seems more like we're going to go to war with the devil to take over Earth. Uh, so it's more mm. like a battleground almost. I mean, Armageddon is an enormous war, you know. For, <coughs> right. And right. so, like, I think that most of those, uh, like, I, I don't think John Lennon was proposing let's have let's fight it out between good and evil. Oh, you don't think so? <laughs> well, how else are you going to do it? That's if something. It, if you're going to you know, have like some kind of commun, I mean, everybody likes to talk about. Talk to any leftist, and they're always like, "Really, yeah, revolution," but mm-hmm. they they want to have a rep, some kind of revolution where instantly everything's nice. And nobody was killed. Yes, I think so. I, well, I don't think they mind anybody being killed, so long as it's nobody they know. So, so long as it's nobody. But revolutions are, oh, even if you're not being killed, I mean, it's like, oh, great, there's no electricity for two weeks. Jesus, thank and, you. And uh, there's no... Thank food. you, revolution. Yeah, I mean, I, revolution, I, I mean, I look, fortunately, I've not been in one. Me neither. But it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. I mean, it sounds like a nightmare. It sounds like a big pain in the ass. Like, it's going to really make uh, public transportation unreliable. Right. And it's going to potentially... Uh, and then it gives everybody who's on top for that five minutes the chance to go and, um, you know, uh, d- deal with old beefs. And, you know, oh, okay, well, we're going to, like, kill all uh, everybody uh, who lives below this street. Yeah, yeah, of course, because, you know, you make a few enemies on your way to the top. Exactly. And and climb over people, and, and the other part of it is that, you know, they're just going to be extremely tyrannical, because anybody who wants to achieve power that much is has got to be just a, a, a total, you know, narcissist and, uh, and, sure, and, and, and a villain, you know? Yeah, and you're totally going to really, you know, believe in the idea of your en- that you have enemies, and you're going to wipe them out. Yeah. And the idea that there can be something better than what's going on, you know, revolution. We're yeah. going to do it right. right. It's like everybody says, like, well, the government's so wasteful with their money and stuff like that. Well, the average person is $50,000 in debt here. <laughs> <laughs> so right. It's, right. It's, I don't want to say it's possible here, but, like, there's a lot of people who really seem to believe in it. Yes. Well, that's the essence of conservatism is, like, okay, maybe things aren't perfect, but... uh Hold up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure you want to burn everything down Dave. and re- make it new? Right. Like, we're just going to... For what? This is... We're going to totally you know, overthrow every social construct. We're going to completely set all the... Cl- we're going to dissolve classes. We're going to turn gonna... over the cannon in the town square. Yeah, I mean... destroy all the statues. Hey, hold, hold up, hold up. Yeah, take it easy. And I, I feel like a lot of people who are out there, you know, representing a revolutionary type attitude and shit like that, they're home uh, for dinner, and yes. then they it's like sort of like live like normal people. Sure. Uh, because what else would you fucking do? Uh, right. you, you you can't live in that all the time. Right. And and uh, so stop, just stop, please. Uh, now a lot of revolutionaries listen to this show, so I I have a feeling that that really made an impact. That's my. 
you know, I I do want to make a positive difference by covering uh, the stories that we cover, and, and is serving that uh, interest that I say a creep squeezed in between two young female cast members of the hit musical Matilda and touched himself while watching porn on a crowded subway. Okay. Uh, you know that guy. Uh, the unidentified cast members got on the train with an adult at Penn Station around 2 p.m. How old would little girls be in, in Matilda? Probably between 11 and 13, Yikes. 8 and 13 oh or so. Oh, goodness. No. Well, while the woman was distracted, the sicko sat between the girls. How You have one job. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is like their minder? Yeah. What, what, what it says, let's see, with an adult... Yeah, they got on on with an adult. Okay, maybe the the adult is, is just uh, somebody they met, but well, I would think that it was somebody. Maybe it was who's, like a chaperone. Yeah, he took out a cell phone and began watching porn and rubbing himself over his clothes, freaking out the young actresses who got up to change seats. See, now that that's a smart move. You don't just sit there and go, "Oh my God, get away from it." Yeah, no, exactly. Creepy strap hanger followed him, and he continued the twist to be followed him. Now that's oh. really bad. At one point, brushing the leg. Brushing his leg against one of the girls before bolting. Okay. I hope it was his leg. Now, the woman, uh, the girls and woman got off the train at Christopher Street in Greenwich Village. They called the police. Cops were searching for the man. Matilda is a musical about a precocious girl whose vivid imagination helps her escape an unhappy reality. <laughs> and uh, um. it certainly is an unhappy reality when a guy sits down and... and Plays with himself while watching porn. <laughs> I'll say. Even outside his clothes. You know, that's, it's still yeah. bad. No. It's uh, not as bad as me, taking it out. Let me ask you, why don't the subways have cameras? I suppose uh, because uh, the MTA never has enough money to that's even true. financial thing. But the city has several billion dollars that they are supposed to give to the MTA, uh, and they haven't done it. Well, they did give them the money, and I think it's... I thought they just pledged it or something. No, I think they gave it to them. Oh, okay. I think it's kind of, you know, it's in the pipeline. Um, but don't, the, I think the buses have cameras. Yeah, they must, because we see a lot of a lot of those hilarious videos where right. people punch the driver and stuff. I, I, I kind of assume at some point they'll put cameras in all the subway cars. I mean, it does seem like a, a no-brainer. Uh, it would... Jesus. I mean, they're everywhere else. I mean, yeah. you go to an, I, I like it when you go into a bodega, like a place that's about 120 square feet, mm-hmm. and they'll have a like you could, they have cameras around. You can see the screen behind the guy, and they, they, clearly they've got like 16 cameras. Yeah. You can see every yeah. every angle, every corner of the place. That's a funny owner, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like right. just obsessed with like nobody, nobody take that bag of chips. <laughs> nobody don't get near my shit. But yeah. I mean, I would think that they could. I mean. The technologies. I mean, maybe I don't. I mean, I don't know what the logistics are. Well, I, I will say this: whatever is the most expensive, impractical, and inefficient way to do it, that's what they'll do. That's what they'll do. And so, they, probably they'll tell you that to put a camera on every train car would cost us seventy-five the, billion dollars. <laughs> it would cost us per car seventy-five hundred dollars per car, or something like that. Well, I understand you would have to install it so it can't be tampered with, and so it can't be. Ripped down or stolen. Well, sure, but they do that everywhere already. I, I guess the difference is you can reach the ceiling in the subway too easily. I don't know. Look, I, I'm just saying it, I'm looking forward to the day when they have them so a guy like this, it'll be easy to catch him. Let's put it that oh, way. Oh, I could not agree more. It's really a major do. issue. I mean, this is the one area of crime in the city that's going up is like subway gropings. Is it the one? Well, it's one uh, among. I mean, most things are going down. You know, they say that, and I don't know how they're representing the numbers, 
uh, I spoke to Ralph Friedman, who is the, the most highly decorated NYPD detective in the history of the NYPD. You've heard a couple stories from him lately if you've been listening, and my interview with him is going to be aired in the very near future. I am going to start uh, not I mean, mentioning dates. I'm going to stop saying, you know, here's when it's going to be. Because, yeah, it's... Because his interview may have already... The one you're talking about yeah. airing may have already aired by the time this airs. Uh, you know, but... In, in, and even if they're... In all likelihood, no. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, actually, who knows? This but will air first. I, I, this, this may not air at all. Uh, well, in that case... <laughs> actually, I've tricked you. We're not even recording this. I, I'm just lonely. <laughs> I just wanted to talk. <laughs> okay. You do see a lot of stuff happening. I, the thing is, I've got no frame of reference. I don't know what's a lot of crime, what's a little crime, how it's being reported. And, you know, like, obviously a lot of crime happens that does not get right. covered, you know? Right. So. Look, the pol- according to what the, the police statistics are, like, shootings are down, murders are down, burglaries, down, everything's down. Right. I don't know whether... Murders are a little different because you can't really... It's hard to pretend that a murder didn't happen. Yeah. Everything else, it seems like you can fudge. You can fudge. Yeah, there's various Um, ways. They get very offended if you suggest that that's what they're doing. Now, may I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Now, you are uh, somebody who... You've lived in New York City for a while, and and you've worked on the city council and stuff like that, and so you know something about politics, and you know something about crime in the city. A little bit. Now, if you were to, to try and, like sort of uh, get a get a handle on political affiliation of most people who commit crimes, most people who are doing, uh, you know, uh, crimes of, of, of various sorts, you know, uh, what would be your way of approaching that? I mean, would, would you assume one way or the other as far as political affiliation goes in, uh, with criminals? I mean, come on, you've talked to criminals. That these people don't really have any political affiliation. I think I think they're all Democrats. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, if it came <laughs> by to default, push came to shove. Probably. I mean, if you want to break it down along demographic lines, that's probably what they are. But I mean, their politics are basically just like gimme, <laughs> which I guess right. makes them Democrats. Yeah. But no, I mean, like, come on, some street criminal—they don't give a thought to like the polity or right. like you know the the common wheel. It's not really like in their. <laughs> It's not really what they're worrying about. Oh, God, did I forget to vote? <laughs> Jesus. Because I was breaking into this house, and I guess, yeah. I guess I got a little preoccupied. Yeah, I, it's a good point. I think that, in general, they, they probably think they would be better served by one party or the other. Uh, we could probably debate who that is, uh, but... Uh, look, yeah, I mean, look, they're probably more into, you know... Uh, Let's not be so tough on crime. I, I don't know. <laughs> like the, the soft on crime. Yeah, like, yeah, they're the soft on crime. Well, party. I mean, and really, the, you know, like what's happening in the city, they're, they're making a bunch of crimes that legal now. Yes, you know? yes, so yes. I guess that would be and, the, uh, the, the, fit, the definition of soft on they're crime. They're getting rid of, like, what, 800,000 outstanding warrants? They're just canceling them? Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, like hundreds of thousands of old warrants that day back, like, 10 years. It's like, yeah, let's just get rid of these. Whose move is, who's, who's move Melissa is that? Melissa Mark Viverito. And she can do that. In the city council. Well... She went through the cooperation uh, with the NYPD, right? Yeah, I think they may have um, passed... I don't remember exactly how it worked. I think they, they did pass a law about it. And, you know, I think they worked with the Office of Court Administration and... Whatever it is they do. Yeah. But it sounds as if that's a great way to clear your backlog, you know? Definitely. They Look, should do that in the courts. 
Sure. And it's like look, it's just like, um, hit a reset button. Look, if you get if you just if you just legalize everything, then crime goes way down. It does. It goes. It plummets. Plummets. Your crime rate could go to zero. And and uh, and all you have to do is just say, hey, uh, look, like, look, we're, we're, we don't want to that everybody should have a record just because they did something criminal. Yeah. And once you've broken all the windows, you can just let the fresh air come in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. And it's Seth Barron, and, and you can hear Seth uh, frequently on the show. I hope you'll, uh, you're around uh, in the weeks to come. I should be. I yes. would love that. Uh, we'll, we'll have some more conversations about crime, and, and uh, you can read what, what he writes if you go to city-journal.org. You heard it from from him, and uh, follow at NYC uh, Council. Council Watch. Council, Council Watch. Watch. Yes, I, I just didn't have it in mind ahead of time. It's very very particular to you, and enjoyable. Thanks, uh, Pat. thank you, uh, uh, Seth, and thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. Is it over? CompoundMedia.com and Patreon.com. Uh, go to Patreon.com/slash Pat Dixon NYC. Uh, to find out everything you need to know about becoming a patron. Thanks very much for your support. And on compoundmedia.com, you will see uh, my second interview with Ralph Friedman. That's uh, never been seen before, and you uh, he has a lot to say. So my second interview with Ralph Friedman on compoundmedia.com. Thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. I want to hear about the one who won. Makes diarrhea. <laughs>